This is Fine Rambles, number 72. All right, let's get started. Michael Shermer has a podcast called, I believe, Science Salon. And he recently had Peter Bogosian. I hope I'm saying that correctly. Peter Bogosian on his show. Now, both Michael Shermer and Peter Bogosian are essentially public intellectuals. Michael Shermer is a professional skeptic. He argues against faith. He argues against belief. He argues against theism. And like so many skeptics, he seems to be an expert in being skeptical about everything except his own objective rationality, (laughs) right? He can aim the laser beam at everyone else, but not at himself. He is Yeah, I think this is right. He is dogmatic about his approach being the only valid approach. So if you aren't willing to play on the field of supposed rationality and supposed empiricism, then he essentially acts like a religious person dealing with a heretic. All right, Peter Bogosian. I'm a big fan of Peter's. He is one of the people, along with James Lindsay and Helen Pluckrose, who wrote the grievance papers, who showed that, you know, the academic journal publishing industry in, in those fields, in, in the grievance fields, well, that... It's a scam. And so when he talks, I listen. But, (laughs) but, 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 the fulcrum of the but. Here's what he said in the interview. Quote, I think moral issues are resolvable through facts. End quote. And then when they were discussing faith, he he basically agreed with Shermer that faith is thinking you know something when you don't. Face palm. Like, like that is the sound of my palm hitting my face. Because, okay, Bogosian wrote a book which was the impetus for this podcast called How to Have Impossible Conversations. And that's a great idea, and I'm going to get the book and read it. But they claim to be trying to have better conversations. But when they talk, it sounds like they just want to use the tactics that Peter describes in order to win, (laughs) in order to bring the ignorant disbelievers over to the side of truth and light, which is, of course, their side. They think their side is the side of logic and evidence and reason. 
It's the other guy. <laughs> it's always the other guy who's emotional and prey to these cognitive biases and fallacies. It's never them. They're never driven by their emotions. They're evidence-based. They're grounded in pure science. They're the rational ones. Uh, that is so ridiculous, okay? That is so ridiculous because it's the most dangerous people who think they're the rational ones. If you, if you know you're emotional, some part of your mind kind of gets that you're acting silly. You know, at some level, you understand, wow, I'm kind of out of control right now. I'm really getting worked up. Maybe I'm wrong. You're at least somewhat open-minded. But a person who thinks they're perfectly rational and totally logical, they have the most closed-minded approach because it's a closed system. They think they know. They have faith in their own evidence and their own logic, their own approach, their own approach. And that certainty is scary. I know we live in this age that appears to worship science and evidence. And I consider myself to be someone who holds those values, which is why I get upset when they are taken as a religion in themselves, but they're taken as being all there is, as if, as if human beings were robots. We're not robots. <laughs> like, where did this idea come from that we can control ourselves? I mean, I can't control myself for five minutes. I don't, I don't decide when I get hungry. I don't decide when I'm exhausted. I don't decide when to have lust or anger. I can try to control those emotions, but I can't simply turn them on and off like a switch. More and more, we seem to be simply denying the existence of the things that we don't like. I mean, how old is reason? How old is the Enlightenment? How old is the idea that people can be objective and rational and logical? Is that, I mean, that's like the early 1600s. So that's what, 400 years? How old is instinct? How old is emotion? A billion years? A billion years versus 400 years. And we are so arrogant to think that we are master rationalists, that we are immune to our biology and then we <laughs> and then we dismiss culture and we dismiss tradition even though they've been evolving for millions of years and instead we just say no let's throw everything out we've ever learned and just give me evidence and i will be the master logician and i will trust my skills to figure out the truth despite the fact that I have no real experience, right? My experience is 40, 50, 60 years, probably at best, versus millions for culture, millions for tradition, and a billion for biology and for emotion. And <laughs> most people, and I put myself in this category, 
We are utterly untrained in rationality. We haven't taken courses on it. We've read maybe a couple pop science books on it. And we think this gives us the ability to decide what's right and wrong, basically from scratch. If you disagree with me, you're literally Hitler. (laughs) And guess what? We react emotionally to Hitler. (laughs) Hitler gets an emotional response. We react emotionally to what we perceive as evil. And here's the rub. Then, then, afterward, we fill in the reasons for that emotion. Emotion is a nervous system response. It decides the answer. It decides how you're going to feel while your prefrontal cortex is still warming up. It's not even a race. It's like they happen in sequence. Bogosian states this problem explicitly. He says, people do not change their minds on the basis of evidence. And then two minutes later, he says, quote, I hold my beliefs on the basis of evidence. No, (laughs) no, you don't get to have both of those statements. And the statement that is true is the first one. People do not change their minds on the basis of evidence. And so if you think all of your beliefs are based on evidence, you are fooling yourself. But it's so easy to fool ourselves. It's so easy to look at the other person and say, oh, that guy's the idiot. That's the guy who's immune to evidence. Me, I'm enlightened. I'm empirical. And that means I'm right and you're wrong. And that is, (laughs) that attitude is breathtakingly arrogant. And that's fine, you know. I enjoy being arrogant sometimes and coming to conclusions based on basically nothing. (laughs) And if you want to be arrogant, that's great. But then when these people then try to impose their beliefs on the rest of us through force, (laughs) through force, which increasingly is the modus operandi of the self-anointed elite, that 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 smug self-righteous group of of isolated theorists who have zero skin in the game but demand the power to tell you what to do, what to say and what to think. So he has all these different recommendations and I'm just going to go through a couple of them. Again, in theory, the book has a lot more, and I'm looking forward to getting it. So the first recommendation he has is you have to enter a conversation trying to pursue truth. Don't try to change the other person's mind. That is impossible. Try to figure out what you believe that's wrong. Try to improve your own model of reality. The person you're talking to knows something that will save your life. Ask questions. 
The second piece of advice he has is you listen again to what they say and you state their argument back to make sure you're getting what they believe correct. You want them to say, that's right. And this is steel manning their position. And then, and then reverse it. Ask them to give the strongest case they can for your side. Another advice piece of advice he gives is don't just state your belief or opinion. Walk through how you got there. And then as you lay out that path, ask them, like, I know this path may have problems. Help me understand the weaknesses in my own argument. A fourth one, never ask for evidence. In any debate or any topic, there is good evidence on both sides. Evidence doesn't make you right. There is a ton of evidence for things that are completely wrong. This is something I learned in investing. You have to focus on disconfirming evidence. You ask yourself, what evidence, if found, would show that I am wrong? And then go look for that. You ask yourself and you ask them, what evidence would change that belief? Number five, and this should probably go earlier. (laughs) This should probably go earlier, but call out the extremists on your side because that creates common ground. It shows them that you aren't dogmatic and it helps both people understand that issues aren't binary. They're, They're spectrums with complexity and nuance and and uncertainty. By the way, if everyone you know agrees on a topic, again, that doesn't mean you're right. It just means you're isolated. That means, by definition, your arguments for your side are going to be terrible because there's no one to challenge me. There's no one to make me think harder. And as a result, my thought process gets lazy. It's like so much in life. If you're not being challenged, you get weaker. All right, number, what is this? Number six, I guess. (laughs) This is a great one. He says, change your mind right there. (laughs) Say, I hadn't thought about it that way. I've changed my mind. I now agree with you. (laughs) that's really good practice in being able to be flexible. And bonus, you get to watch their head explode. (laughs) All right. (laughs) That's all I've got. I will catch you next week.